Hello, everyone. Welcome to Breakthrough Speaks as part of our Let's Talk initiative, a real conversation with real people about their real lives. Here at the Breakthrough Movement, we are dedicated to using our platform to take on real world issues. So as you sit back and listen, we ask that you please take care of yourselves because we are sometimes serious, sometimes silly, but we are straight up all of the time. Today, I am talking with two very, very good friends of mine, Shannon and Hannah. Hello, ladies. How are you? Hi. Hello. Just for uh, the sake of voices, I'm Shannon. Yes. Oh, yeah. I'm Hannah. <laughs> yes, there you go. Um, so uh, these, I had the pleasure of working with Shannon um many I'm, i won't say how long ago because i feel like that will make me feel older God, than that I was that was a minute yeah it's been, a, it's been a my while. phone my phone keeps sending like sending me you know like those pictures of like things that happened in the past that like these are for you and like mary keeps mary is the show that we worked on together for context uh mary keeps showing up in like the review whatever and I just got a like summer of blank year I'm not gonna say what year um <laughs> like there was just like a bunch of the Mary photos like compiled together um and it's it's it was really charming it was really lovely. Yo, yeah that was, yeah mm-hmm. that, that was a, that was a summer that was a summer that mm-hmm. happened um so that's how Shannon and I met and actually met Hannah through Shannon um but I'm curious I never actually found out how the two of you met oh gosh school we went to school together we we transferred (laughs) we both transferred we both transferred into Strasbourg in our junior years um and I have some really charming recordings from that time of like voice lessons when like we were in class together and Shannon would interrupt those like warm-ups and classes to like, excuse me, but like, if you were pierced in the lung, I don't understand. And we'd be like, it's just singing technique. Don't think too hard. It's fine. <laughs> um, and she'd be like, and because like, theoretically, but like theoretically, mm-hmm. if you're looking at the book of it, I'd be like, nope, 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 nope. It's, it's really spectacular. Um, but it's, that was also a certain amount of years ago, but we, we transferred in and then we ended up both transferring to Stone Street at the same time as well. So kind of finished out college together. Mm. now did you guys like was it like a you guys got paired together at some assignment and then you know history you know done from that moment no actually almost kind of almost the opposite um ended up in a show together the second semester that we were in um at Strasbourg or the third semester we were at Strasbourg and um we're worked together there but then when we changed studios together we were kind of some of the only people that we knew in our class Mm. so we ended up kind of gravitating towards each other more fully and then um like the the true like be all end all is that Hannah created some a project um the final weeks of the school year and was like hey for this class called creating your own work and was like hey will you be in this with me and I was like I would but I'm gonna go to Portland and drop mushrooms so I'll see you later and, uh, <laughs> and she left me hanging so. to do mushrooms and that was the beginning of our friendship but like yeah <laughs> that's amazing and so then she used somebody else but then when I came back she was like I would really actually like this to be us doing this can we possibly record it and I was like let's do it for real and And like Shannon watched it and was like oh this is a thing this could be a real thing there's potential in this but like let's rewrite some stuff and I'm like it'll take two weeks and that didn't happen um it took a lot longer we're still having meetings about it this was longer ago than we care to admit we are still having meetings 
distribution when you make when you make anything so i realized we should have just made a feature shannon um but when you make anything it <laughs> has to it has to go through multiple stages of like release you know like first you gotta like make it and network and festival and then distribute and, and so it just takes more time than you thought it would ever um, and if you'd known at the beginning that it was going to take that much time, you probably wouldn't have embarked upon it. Although now in hindsight, we are glad that we embarked upon it. I've decided collectively for the both of us. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> the job I worked this morning is straight up because of the disenchantment. So you're welcome. Um, yeah. And I cannot say what that is on air, but, um, yeah. like it's literally like the reason I have that job is because the disenchantment went to Holly Shorts and that was the connection that allowed me to work where I like have and like it's yeah. just continued to do that like so many connections that I've I've had through the years have been um because Same. of entering the festival circuit making my own work um being a part of the industry as like an active participant as opposed to a more passive participant which actors usually are um the act of generating content is so aggressively consuming um <laughs> of yourself that um it having that as something to work towards and, and make makes you a more active participant it makes you a more engaged member of your network and community which then introduces you to more people and gets you more involved in the places you wanted to be involved like acting i agree with so you almost everybody on my resume for the film stuff almost everybody is somebody that i met usually through the film files or through somebody in the film files because we did that movie because I, I wouldn't have reached mm -hmm. out to those people or asked for asked questions or, or been mentored by them if we hadn't done that so I completely agree with you it is it is something we are still having meetings about but it was absolutely worth it um <laughs> no, let me let me put this out to you because my, my business partner and I a large reason why we started doing what we were doing is because we were teaching a lot at the time and I won't say what that time was but um, we were teaching a lot and there were a lot of students that were coming up to us that were like, we want to perform, we wanted, you know, Broadway or this or that or whatever, but like, you know, they wanted the professional career. Um, and they would come to us for advice and we were like, well, you need like, you need this, you need this, there's this thing, da, da, da. and they were like, we don't, what? Right? So, um, no. you know, a lot of, <laughs> right, a lot of, the, a lot of the reason we started doing things together back then was because we, we lamented the fact that, you know, the learning that you do to be a performer is a big gap from the things that you have to do professionally to yeah. be a performer. So a lot of our, a lot of our early classes weren't just about dancing because we're both dance instructors, but it, it was also like, how do you carry yourself in an audition? Like what, what should your resume look like? What should that headshot look like? Right. We were having those conversations in conjunction with the actual technique that they needed because that was the thing that they lacked. Is that something that you found true having gone to right, NYU, right? I'm, right? Mm -hmm. um, having yeah. gone through the yeah, NYU like performance process and then I'm gonna do my own work. Did you find that there was a very similar gap of like, maybe I should have learned this back then? Yeah, I would say that um, on the one hand, they did have some very savvy, handy business classes um, that you could enroll yourself in or not. So it was kind of up to you to seek out that knowledge. But on the other hand, there's so much that I didn't know that I only learned once I got out into the professional world. And I, I had a call maybe towards the beginning of the quarantine with like a friend who was like, hey, can you talk to this you know, high school senior who wants to go to performing arts school? Maybe she's thinking about it. 
she wants to ask you questions. And she was like, Hey, so what do you wish that you'd known that you didn't know? I was like, Mm -hmm. okay, um, here's two things that are really important. If you are going to be an actor or entertainer of any variety, you are also going to work 20,000 other jobs. No, not just your survival jobs, but yes, those, but you will be a web designer and design your website. You will be a business manager and manager in business. You will be a networking person and have to do all this networking. You will also have to go to networking studios and spend a lot more money than you think. You think like, oh, well, like I'll pay off my college debt or I'll pay off college and then I'll just get my first round of headshots and like, boom, it's all money from there. And it's not, not in the sense of it's taking you time to book jobs in the sense of you will actively be spending money to go meet casting directors. It is one of the only fields where you still need to spend money just for the pleasure of meeting your colleagues. And they are our colleagues. I know people don't think of them like that. They think of them like these big towering gods who have all of the power and they don't. Mm. Um, they They have different power from us, but they need us just as much. And yet we still have to pay money to studios for the pleasure of showing them like, Hey, here's what I can do in a workshop. You know, um, I wish people had to pay us for the pleasure of our auditions sometimes. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Everyone's getting paid for their, their extra time, but us. I mean, Um, speaking of like pay to play, I mean, dancing is terrible because you have to pay for auditions, don't you? Because you need the choreography, choreography from them and see it's like 30 bucks an audition. It depends, on the, it depends on the audition. There are auditions where you do pay to be involved. It depends on what you're auditioning for. Um, the biggest difference is that for dance, um, there are a lot of auditions that are done as a way of like advertising. Um, mm-hmm. So they'll do like an open casting call, but it'll, it'll, it'll be more so that you as someone who auditioned will then go and be like, oh my God, I went to this audition for so-and-so. They're going and doing this thing. And like, it, it like helps spread like word of mouth. It's something that's so- somewhat unique to like being a professional yeah, it's, dancer. It's toxic. Um, yeah, especially if you talk <laughs> about like, like going on tour or like, you know, like being like connected to an artist in, in, in any mm-hmm. way, um, that that's a major way that they that they like spread the word about them doing like a major project as opposed to like spending the money on other kinds of advertising. Cause most people will, you know, if Missy Elliott is going on tour and she's doing, you know, an audition for a backup dancer, we're going, you know, we don't care if it's a waste of time. We don't care if we're not going to get it. We don't, you know what I mean? Like we don't care if she already has her dancers and there's no way, like we're going, we're, we're going just for the chance to be in the room. Like we're going to go. So that that's something that is a little bit more like unique to us, which is weird. And we, a lot of us do know that and are aware of that. doesn't matter. We're going yeah. like, there yeah. are certain people like you're going to go, it, it, you know, like, it's just, that's just the reality of, of what that is. Unfortunately, it sucks, but. Yeah. And so that's one of the things I told this girl. And I was like, as like, you're gonna have to design a website, you're gonna have to get those skills to do that. And no one's going to teach you that in school. You're going to have to get like the branding skills to learn how to like, create a brand for yourself. No one teaches you that in school. You know, you're going to have to start probably making your own work or you might go insane or like, maybe not. I don't know. Um, maybe you are a significantly saner person than I am, but like, if you're going to make your own work, you're going to have to learn where to go to network so that people will work on your work. You're going to have to learn how to write. You're going to learn how to produce. You're going to learn to do all of the other things, except the thing that you're taught in school to do, which was say Shakespeare nice, you know? Um, so you're going to, it's really funny because Hannah, I think I know who you're talking about and who you gave advice to. Cause I think I also talked to this girl. Yeah. Um, and What's your advice, advice is don't do it. My advice <laughs> is just don't. <laughs> Shannon on the phone was like, don't do it. Good night. Goodbye. You'll be happier. I was end. like, 
Yeah, I was just like, well, what else, what are you looking at? Like, what is the context of this dream for you? Like, is it something that you are interested in that you think might be fun? Do you also really like this other thing? Like, what are all of those? And I'm like, I wasn't like, don't not like, don't act. My thing was like, acting will always be there. Go like follow another dream, follow another like interest or passion or something. Um, and like really, really run that down. Like see, see where that goes because I think she's a it'll hockey make player. Yeah, like she, she, or something. yeah, yeah, it was something like that. Um, and I was just like, go, go run that down, figure it out because ultimately it'll make you a more interesting actor. Like you'll come, if you come back around and acting is really for you, you can always go to, go to a conservatory for way less money than you're going to spend for a BFA and, mm-hmm. um, and then come back around and then your life experience working in another field will like give you so much more advantage than somebody who just like went straight into a BFA program and then like left and like can only recite, you know, half the complete works of Shakespeare, um, just like every other graduate from a BFA program from around the country. Like you're gonna be the person who like has an international medal in blank, 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 blank. And that's gonna make you 10 times more interesting and like change your disposition. And you're gonna be just a slightly more interesting, more well-rounded person than if you just like jump straight into the acting boat. So I was, I was like, don't, but if you have to, don't now. yeah I was just like you're gonna have to do a lot more jobs even just after you in addition to the survival jobs and you're also gonna have to pay for the pleasure of meeting your colleagues you know and hoping that they then remember you perhaps paying for the pleasure of meeting them multiple times so that they will then eventually remember you and eventually you'll get called into audition which is you also rehearsing and preparing and acting a bunch more for free to potentially get a role that may or may not pay you like more than a couple hundred dollars so like you know that's up but like if you can't not if you really if you're one of the crazy people like we are and if you're like this is it um then I advise you to make your own work while you're doing all of it so you can stay sane and um I advise you to have more money somehow <laughs> just like have very it, rich so just know. just marry a doctor get it steal it go marry from it, there. Like... Have it I don't know conjure Whoa. it with like whatever man just have Ooh, more conjure money it. I care. like that one I should try it <laughs> I recommend oh. burning something in your witchcraft. I don't know what. When you when oh, you burn man. something, it brings you money. Let me know, and then I'll burn it too. Arson one hundred and one. Oh, they had it. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna burn the rich. How about that? <laughs> oh. Speaking of, let's talk about capitalism. Um, oh. <laughs> um, well, it, uh, there is an interesting concept, right? Because. It, the the I think the biggest at least the biggest criticism that I've been like aware of of like BFA programs theater arts programs you know any of those like more artistic endeavors at the collegiate level is is how compromised is it when the people you are trying to help mold are paying to be there at such a level you know what I mean? Like this isn't a, a workshop that you're doing separately. This isn't like a, you know, a six week seminar masterclass or something like that, right? Like they're, they're paying for this, you know, over the top, overly priced, like, edu- you know, quote unquote elite education. Um, but does that relationship of, you know, I am the teacher, I am the director of the show, I am, you know, I'm producing this, you know, student, whatever. Um, but you're a student who's also paying. Like, does that compromise their ability to prepare you for what comes after? 
I'm going to say it depends on the university and it depends on the university's yeah. policy of student retaliation. Mm. Um, while we were at NYU, there was a, I, I feel like it was a trend. It was a weird flurry. There seemed to be just like a lot of like pushback about this particular issue, which was mm. like teachers feeling like they couldn't say shit because students would take it super personally and then like bring it to their parents who would bring it to the board, really? who would bring it back to the student, to, wow. to the teacher, who would like then like that was have, not be my threatened experience. by the administration. Yeah, that's, that was that's so why. not my experience. But like you were in Adler at that juncture. Was that a. No, I'm talking about I'm talking about Stone Street. Really? Yeah, there was a lot of like hashback, like, like, um, feedback of like, yeah, like, I can't say this to you precious NYU babies, because you precious oh, NYU babies are going to take this super personally. That's, that was his way of saying it. That was that teacher's way of being like, by the way, I'm not supposed to say blah, blah, blah about our actual industry, because you're all paying and your parents are all blah, blah, blah. But, but the re- by the way, reason, but the reason that was consistently qualified is because yeah. um, teachers had been literally criticized for giving honest feedback, um, which can be really personal and can be really can t- be taken really hard and like all of this and well there's just... a difference between honest feedback about your craft versus honest feedback about you and I think the thing that that particular teacher was trying to address is the fact that the industry doesn't care your honest feedback about you or your craft or your whatever the industry will before it was all about like in, when you're in your first primary studios it's all about the craft of the thing and so you're not to take it personally because it's about the craft but all of a sudden it's about the industry it is about what your headshot looks like it is about certain things that it shouldn't be about your weight your ethnicity your all of those sensitive subjects and so this teacher was trying to prepare us um and would have to qualify a lot and be like i'm not trying to tell anybody that they have to lose weight i'm not trying to tell anybody that they're gonna be boxed because of these things but like you're gonna be boxed because of these things (laughs) but you know because like i can't say these things because they are in they are real world topics but also you are about to go into the real world where somebody will say shit to you and casting directors and managers and people will say shit to you i have found um and maybe they aren't by the way if certain people do say shit to you um about certain topics then maybe they shouldn't be your rep and maybe also you don't want to work with that casting director would be like my healthy advice to you anybody saying something really toxic it would be my advice (laughs) and and i think there's there's like there is the relationship between the like what are your goals and what are you doing to accomplish them and Mm. how does that relate to like what maybe is or isn't comfortable i will qualify Um, especially i will qualify that as if there is something that is out of your control yeah in life inherently that Mm. is just a part of you and somebody's gonna say shit about it then they do not put them on your team do not spend you know hundreds of dollars meeting them don't fucking bother because they've already opted out of who you inherently are and therefore, like, just go prove them wrong somewhere else with people who will opt into who you are. Yeah. And the only anybody who way. wanted Frances McDormand to be a supermodel was never going to book her the job that won her Oscars. Yeah. Mm. Like, mm. you know what I mean? So, like, yeah. but anybody, but if Frances McDormand wants to be a supermodel, like, she Frances needs to change Jordan her dream. Gonna, <laughs> yeah, have a hard time. Like, it's not saying it's impossible because the industry does, like, and we can get into like the limitations of the way the industry sees people as like a major part of that. Um, but like the, there, there is flexibility, there is give and take, there is like, this is my goal and therefore I will accomplish it. But there's also like, that's not even actually what I want. And this person over here is like, that's the only thing that will sell. 
And so Mm -hmm. it's the relationship between like, no, you have to. And they're like, but I don't even (laughs) like, why would I? Yep. I agree with that. I feel like Frances McDormand is a great example of the like non-conforming brilliance um, because it's just, she's not traditional um, in her, her beauty style or presentation um, in a way that like would win an Oscar, but you know what? Chloe Zhao wore sneakers to the Oscars too. So she found the right person. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think find, find the people, find the people that you jive with. We've done that. Um, (laughs) Create your own shit and also like build your own world and find more people you jive with who have their own worlds that you fit into that you belong with. Um, Don't fight so hard. There isn't just one standard or one way in this industry, as much as sometimes it will seem overwhelmingly like that. Like, hang on tight babies, hang on. And just like, keep looking for all it takes is like that one corner or that one person or that one place. You don't need to appeal on mass to everyone. You will go insane. You will. It'll Mm -hmm. drive you crazy. Or give up, don't do it, do something else for a while and then circle back around. <laughs> well, especially, I, I guess that, is, that advice is especially prescient, I think, to young women um, because I think like women in their 20s is the most oversaturated group in our damn market, at least in acting, you know? Um, and there is, there is expectation of women always throughout all ages, but especially when you are young. Um, and I, I think that that was probably good advice because she'll avoid a lot of pressures in that sense. And she'll also avoid being part of like the largest pack of people mm-hmm. out there trying to do the thing that we're all trying to do, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the version of myself that looked exactly like every other person who graduated from a BFA program was very good at being that person, but uh, did not stand out, could not get rep, was having a real hard time. Um, and it wasn't until I kind of literally Marie Kondoed my personality into a <laughs> into a more streamlined version of who I what actually brings me joy what actually made me happy the roles I actually wanted to play that I started to kind of find my footing as um a person in this industry because I was able to realize like oh wait I I'm not that like yeah I, I can play at it I like couldn't can come back to it but like it's not the most interesting version of myself and it's not the most the version of myself I'm most interested in Mm. I will say also being the most interesting version of yourself or like sticking to your guns does come with resistance from people who are going to tell you like what to be Mm -hmm. but it also does come with waiting just in that like there I do remember a time when you were like great cool I'm gonna be ingenue who's bland and we were like dope go for it we support you you know and you like grew your hair out really long and you like took really yeah, and headshots I- and, and I remember that and I, I was over here doing my thing where people were like well like nose job baby and straighten the hair and I was like no no thank you um but like that means that auditions come along a lot more rarely for what you actually are you know and that people who will connect that there are going to be people who are going to tell you like not to do that not to be that or to look the way you are but then there are going to be people every now and then who are gonna be like oh okay or for example like I have not really worked with unfortunately a lot of straight men they're great I love them but like <laughs> they don't hire me and that's like a thing especially in my early 20s I'd show up I'd audition I get callbacks and they'd be like I don't know we're just not going to cast you and I'd be like why and they'd be like you're just too interesting somehow you're just not what we imagined you know and I'd be like what do you mean I can be more boring they're like mm, I don't think so you know and so even if you're sticking to your guns you know um I think it's definitely the, the best thing to do because you will find those people who will want to collaborate with you or who'll be like, oh, I hadn't seen it that way, but like, yes, who will then invest in 
you as their vision all of a sudden because you'll bring something new to the table but a lot of times you're gonna find really dumb people who are gonna like see something new who are gonna be like i don't mm, but like i imagined it differently who aren't gonna make that space for you um or you know you you fit yourself into that space and then you play the protag the ghost of the protagonist's dead wife three times in a year and you're done <laughs> well done Shannon. well done <laughs> i played a ghost but it wasn't of a protagonist's wife it was the scary thing that was haunting the movie <laughs> you could also do that but that only comes once you know <laughs> right 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 well I guess, I mean, it, I it's interesting because i think i've, I've sort of like you know, the thing I always tell my, my students is that like they need to measure their success by their own standards, um, especially when you talk about like doing like filmed things. It's very easy to fall into the trap of like that over there. That is success. Right. This this like look at those people like that. That's what I want I, that when I get that, I will be successful. Um, and a lot of my students, when I sit them down and I'm like, OK, throw all of that out the window for a second, like all the, the stuff you've seen, the interviews, the, this, the, the glitz, the glamour, like all that. Like you by yourself in your room, right? If this is the thing you want, what, what would you feel successful? Like what would yeah. be the thing where you, when you do it, it would be I success. Mean, um, I definitely had a pandemic revelation, like early pandemic about like, oh man, it's, it's such a brutal business. Um, but my, my kind of revelation was, you have to enjoy the journey. It can't be all about the destination of like, I will be happy or I will be successful when I get to X, Y, or Z point, mm -hmm. because then you will be miserable for a long time, especially if you are quantifying success by like, whether or not you are like winning an Oscar or, you know, whether or not you are repped by Abrams artists or like whatever, like the lofty goal is, you also have to enjoy the journey though. And, and I think that I, it, I kind of came back to the joy of like, when I was a kid and I wanted to do this, like, I wasn't going, Oh my goodness, I want someday to be rep by Avon's artist or, Oh my goodness, I want someday to like have a nice piece of metal trophy. I mean, if I wanted like a nice piece of metal trophy, my parents bought me a fake Oscar. It's up there on my bookshelf <laughs> for my Tisch graduation. They held the Tisch, the Tishy award ceremonies. It's like a little party, which was very fun. But like, if you want a trophy, go buy a trophy, like fine. But like, what I wanted to do was to do the thing, you know, I wanted to be on stage. I wanted to be on screen. I wanted to, like when I was watching, I was obsessed with Lord of the Rings as a kid. You watch all the behind the scenes and I was like, I wanna do what they're doing. I wanna look how much fun they're having. Look at what the kind of story they told. I wanna tell a story like that, that captures imaginations like that. I, I wanna do that. That's the thing that sparks joy as a kid, right? And so my revelation was you can still do that no matter how quote unquote famous you are or aren't, or no matter how much money a particular job is raking in, or no matter who reps you, or no matter who does or doesn't give you a trophy that you can still have that joy. You can, you can have notoriety or, or infamy or fame is not, you know, the be all end all and neither is money. It's, it's the, like, can I find people I like doing this with? And as often as I possibly can, can I do this? And can I support myself while I'm doing it? You know, and like mm -hmm. that, if you can make yourself happy while you're doing that, then no time will be wasted. You know what I mean? Um, then you will, no matter who applauds you or doesn't applaud you on like a grand scale um, or what interviews you do or don't see or whether you make it onto the actor's studio and they interview you, like no matter what, you will feel worthy because you will be measuring yourself not by the standards in our society or the standards in our industry or the standards that like some old dudes at the academy have like laid out um, sorry, Academy, but like, not sorry. Um, 
right? <laughs> um, but like, you won't be measuring yourself yourself by that. You'll be measuring yourself by like, did I do the thing that brought me joy that made me want to do this? Do I have joy? You know? Um, I mean, like just to, you know, or your standards could be, I would like to win an Oscar and have not cared so much that I didn't show up to the ceremony. Mm. you know <laughs> like mm. because it was about filming the thing it was about doing the stuff yeah. it was about like being in the place and and showing up that like the the actual like oh but you missed the part like yeah. that like is the no like the reward the job itself is the reward the job thing. itself yeah mm-hmm. it's not it's not what it gets you the job itself I was talking to a filmmaker friend of ours about this who like made a feature and then was really miserable and was talking about like okay well do you want to like quit which is like viable and fine if this is not your longer your life path and they're like no I really don't I think that there is the part that used to bring me joy I just think the key is instead of worrying about finding the best possible people to work with who are the most lauded or worrying about having the most possible money or worrying about like what part of the market it fits into I think I just have to like make things with the people who I love and the people who I love working with. I think she's like, I think that that is the change that I need to see in my life as opposed to trying to make things for someone else. I need to make things for me with people I'll enjoy doing it. And there will be other people who are like me who that will resonate with and maybe people who aren't like me who that will resonate with because then it will feel real. And then at least while I'm doing it, I won't be miserable, you know? Um, I think it's really easy to bring a lot of misery into the job if you get really caught up in other people's expectations or in achieving quote unquote success or with what that thing is going to get you as opposed to appreciating the job for the job. You know, that is that is the reward. That is the goal. Um, and also to like kind of extrapolate this further and go back into what you were saying earlier, Hannah, it's not even about booking the job. It's not even about being on set. It's like that it's in and of itself like is a reward because it also mm-hmm. happens very rarely. Like the, oh, I'm going to record this audition. Also being a part of the process, also mm-hmm. being part of the journey. Oh, I'm going to like go take headshots and like research the different characters that I can play. And that's mm-hmm. going to be super fun. Like prepping that. Oh, I'm going to design this website based around the like branding thing. And a brand is a character. And I'm going to build the character of this brand and like seeing that as like also an acting exercise and kind of not just enjoying the like, n- not the reward just being the Oscar and not the mm-hmm. reward just being the role. The reward being like literally all of the steps that it takes yeah. to even get there because there are also a lot of those. So many. <laughs> if you can bring like, joy in The best those. actors, the most notable actors in the world maybe, maybe spend like 90 days a year on set. Yeah. If you can bring maybe. joy all of the parts. And it's a hard thing to do sometimes. It can mm-hmm. be because there's, you know, there's a lot of external pressures we put on ourselves. But if you can bring joy into building the website and doing all of the other things... I need to bring joy into building a website. My website's so out of date. I have been avoiding, I lost joy for building websites. I used to web design for a living. And the last client that I had broke me. She mm. broke me. She was a, a singer who kind of wanted to like be pinup-esque and Lana Del Rey-esque and Amy Winehouse-esque all like rolled into like one but different somehow. And I was like, great, how? She was like, I don't know, it just will be. And I was like, great. But if I'm gonna be your web designer and I'm branding you, what is your specific takes that I can put that into the visuals so that I can put that into the font choice that I can, and she, and she just really didn't know. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to go away and I'm going to come up with something. And I, I came back with it after we had lots of discussions and um, she looked at it and she just said, no. And I was like, okay, great. Well, give me, what, what is the no? What is like, give me some constructive so that I can then turn that no into your yes. Note what behind the it? note. Let's go. Like, let's go. Like, help me out here. And she's like, well, it's just that 
it's not what I imagined you would imagine it would be. And I was like, what? But what do you imagine? She's like, no, no, I don't imagine anything. I don't know. That's the problem. That's why I hired you. This isn't what I imagined you would imagine it would be. And I was like, <laughs> I am dead. You have killed my soul. <laughs> I just wow. didn't know. I, it's like, if you don't have an imagination, but you'd imagine I'd imagine something different. What did you imagine I would imagine? And she was like, I don't know. That's for you to imagine. And we just sat in this coffee shop screaming the word imagine a bunch of times till we got kicked out. And so that was that was the end of my web designing career. And I have not touched my own actor website in basically that long. Um, so I need to I need to bring the joy back because that person broke me. Um. Wow, that's that is that, wow. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that website is no longer up. Sorry, people, I can't direct you to it. I also believe that person is no longer singing. Um, I believe, uh, but uh, but uh, good luck to her in the world because we never wish bad things. We we imagine that she's somewhere off, imagining her own specific imaginings, and is really happy with it. We imagine with no right. bitterness in right. our voice. We imagine more imagining. <laughs> <laughs> with no bitterness in our voice at all um it's fine it's cool <laughs> right 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 um i i am interested in this because partly because i have a chunk of young adult females that i'm working with currently um and you brought up the the that like sort of demographic of the yeah of the young adult woman being so um just overwhelmingly packed with with people especially in the industry i really like uh, the phrase hypersaturated hi, yes 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 <laughs> hypersaturated yes hypersaturated um it feels like economics which makes it hurt less to think yeah about <laughs> <laughs> um you know i guess that on the one side like how how important is like your own sense of self self-worth self-value like so important how, or how i would have broke and then so the, important connected to that like how how big is your your awareness of what you're walking into um, um i think when you are that young your awareness of what you are walking into is zero or at least like <laughs> mine was because i was just like i have a dream you know like no awareness lots of naivete just like resting disney face bing, gigantic eyes and no no awareness and just like hello world um and just but uh I, i'd say your sense of self and self-worth is so important because i mean as a woman of any age and as a woman in society already there's a lot of shit you're gonna be told to do and be and become and then add to that the fact that you are like now acting to portray all women in society and so like the structure it becomes or to portray the ideal you know or whatever people want to sell you um it becomes even stricter but i would say um jamila jamil did a really good time like had, had a really interesting um red table talk where she mm. spoke about like women already have all this extra homework and like the younger you are the worse it is in my opinion of like when you are a woman you have to please everyone and make them like you all the time and you also have got to be very polite all the time and you also have got to defy all signs of like aging and gravity and defy you know all signs of like putting on any kind of weight or eating or doing whatever whatsoever you've got all this extra homework that makes it harder to get ahead in your career already where like your male contemporaries are just like looking out for 
they're like, great, cool. That's a prize. I'm going for the prize. And she talks about how she got hired to be a radio host where she didn't even need to be seen. And her first week broke record numbers. And when all of the reports were coming out about all the radio shows that were like going around for her male colleagues, it was all about like the numbers of viewers. And for her, it was about like Jamila, Jamil, you know, um, Jamila Jamil, excuse me. She has put on weight, you know, she's like, you don't even see me. It's a radio job. What? <laughs> you know, it's a radio job. And I think that that really says it all. It's like, you've got all of this extra quote unquote homework and you better stop subscribing to it, honey, now, or you'll go crazy. Um, and it's the most oversaturated market. And when you are young, you are so impressionable. And, and they're also going to look at you based on other credentials as well. Not just like your womanness. They're going to look at you based on like your ethnicity and they're going to look at you based on all kinds of things. And it's, it's the market where people want to see you naked. Let's be real, you know? Um, so they're going to want to pressure you into doing that kind of stuff too. And so you've got to know when it is or isn't worth it and what your standards are about that and who you do or don't trust to work with. And you're going to walk into a room where someone's got a very specific idea for their project of what a woman's going to look like. And it's be like, great. So like get a nose job. Great. So like straighten your hair. Great. So like, you know, lose this many pounds. Great. So like, we're not going to pay you anything or we're going to pay you like a stipend and your male co-stars are going to get like real money, but like, you're going to be the only one naked on set and you're going to have to decide where your lines are and what you will and won't do. And sometimes you're gonna have to not go for the job. There was a job where they were asking me to be naked and the other guy was gonna be naked as well. But they're like, oh, well, he's a man. So we're gonna pay him for it though. And I was like, what are you, what, why? I'm fascinated, explain. Like, Cause like men aren't as used to doing this and we'll be able to find any woman to do this. And I was like, great, cool. So I'm a piece out. And they're like, you, but what? And they were so mad at it. They're like, but you aren't gonna book work in this amount of time. This will be the only job you're gonna book you know, if, if you want it, you're going to book it. And I'm like, yeah, but it's not worth it. Maybe I won't book work. Um, but you don't, but those people didn't care about me, you know, yeah. or they didn't even care about me as a performer. They didn't even care about my take on that. Honestly, truly, it was more of a mannequin sort of situation. And they were right. I didn't book, you know, I, I left, I didn't take the job and I also didn't book another one. They were correct. And I was not, they also were it. going to pay you. I know, but like, so like it's not like you were. That's, that's, I know, but that's the other thing. When you are young, you are expected to do all of this unpaid work to get credits on your resume, to get footage for your reel, to get stills for your, you know, from the shows for your. You're expected to do, especially as actors, you're taken advantage of and expected to do all of this extra work, you know, and make no money for it. And so sometimes you're like, I have to do the no money jobs that I have something on my resume so that people know I work, you know. And so it doesn't. On the one hand, you're walking away and you're like, oh, it would have been good to have collaborators and have a job. And you're like, those people aren't your collaborators. You know, if you're older and wiser and smarter, you recognize in hindsight, like I felt weirdly bad. I was like, but they were offering me, a it wasn't a job. There's no money, it's not a job. Um, <laughs> but like, it's not even like the non-job that's gonna get you the job because those people don't care about you. They really, really don't if they're gonna talk to you like that, you know? And same thing with casting associates who are gonna say shit or managers who are gonna say shit. You know, um, I right recently I had right before the pandemic, I'm not going to name the manager. Um, Shannon will remember this. I had a, a meeting with the manager at one of these networking studios. And after I finished my piece, they were like, so are you Jewish? And I was like, I'm gonna um, I was like, I wasn't wearing my star that day. The piece wasn't anything about being Jewish. And I was like, yes. And they were like, well, I love your people, but, and that's how that conversation began. And I was like, okay, oh. come on. They, they were like, I love your people. And this was a person of color. Um, and this is a person who was like under the auspices of being an ally. They're like, I love your people, but here's the deal, honey. You're not going to play 
for as talented as you are, for as pretty as you are, for as interesting as you are, and your whole package is here. The headshots are great. The resume is formatted great. You know, the work that you put down was specific and was great, but here's the thing. You're not gonna play regular Caucasian girls because when we're looking for regular Caucasian girls, we're not looking for Jewish girls because you border on this ethnic ambiguity and that's not what we're looking for. We also can't send you out anymore to play Latinos or Latinas or Latinx people because everybody wants authenticity right now. So you can't play Caucasian, you can't play people of color, I don't know what I'm gonna do with you. There's just no place for you in this industry. And even when we're casting Jewish people, look at Mrs. Maisel. We're not actually casting Jewish people. We're writing Jewish people, but we're casting people who aren't Jewish. So I don't think there's a place for you. And I just, I, I love your people. I love what you did. You're talented, but I can't in good conscience rep you because I can't bring you work. And I was so confused leaving that. Even as someone who's like been around the block a little bit, I was, I like, it was like, okay, thank you for your time and left. And I think I called Shannon and I was like, I'm feeling very offended even though somebody just like said things to me in a nice way. And I don't know like if it was or wasn't anti-Semitic. I don't know. And there were two things going on there. It was that, oh, honey, I am a man who's gonna tell, an older man who's gonna tell you things that you don't know yet. So I'm talking down to you because you're still a young woman, but also I'm gonna tell you about your people and about your spot in this world and industry, you know? So you have got to have a sense of self-worth and good friends who you can call and be like, do it. Should I be up in arms? Should I be offended? And Shannon's like, ugh. It's not worth your energy. Just be up in sleeves. You're never going to change that person, you know, um, and gave me a good pun and, and you continue with your day. But eventually I did end up talking to, I became quite good friends with the head of that networking studio and I have been in things that that person's produced. And so I ended up being like, Hey, by the way, my meeting with this particular person was a little weird. I just want to tell you privately. And I, it took me a while to recognize that, that, like, that it was anti-Semitism and that was also just like talking down to me as a young woman, not thinking I knew my own mind or not thinking I knew things about the industry, you know? Um, and, and so I was like, heads up, this kind of happened. It wasn't done mean-spiritedly. And I think that person was genuinely trying to help me, weirdly enough, mm. but it was done and it was definitely prejudiced in those two ways when it happened. So you have got to be like, great, cool. I, I'm, that's not a person who's going to be my champion. That's not a person who's going to be in my corner, who's going to be in my circle. And I don't give a fuck because there are people who are going to be my champion, who are going to be in my corner. I'm going to be my own champion. I'm not going to cut my nose off or straighten my hair or like become whatever it is that you want me to be or lose five pounds. And I will somehow, I'm going to be okay because I'm talented and you have to be reassured in that. And you have to be willing to not care what other people think. You know, it's going to come up. It's going to happen. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it, it's so hard to find that kind of sense of, well, it's like an autonomy. It's a, yeah. it's a like operating independently of the input of people that may or may not deserve input. And especially um, and kind with of a young woman, they're going to tell you. Yeah. They're going to tell you. And, and, and also like, it's so easy to kind of internalize the things that you have been told and then like replace, like put them out onto things. Like uh, I was in a, an acting class and there was a young woman in the class who was uh, about 18. Um, and she like could not watch back. We'd like, we'd film for the day and then we'd come in and we'd watch. And she watched everything. Sorry, podcasters, like this, just like totally balled up in the corner of the room, like covering her eyes with both hands, just like, like turned away. And the teacher's like- Shannon is now doing a fetal position just to like narrate the visual for you. She is, she is called into a fetal position. She's covering her eyes. Um, I'll narrate the visual the for you. Like, the teacher's like, you can't, you can't watch yourself if you're literally 
not watching like what are you what are you doing and like but she would turn and she would watch and within like two seconds she was crying because she just mm. like hated her face hated everything she'd done she was like so so sensitive to like what the discrepancy between what was on that screen and what she had been told was right and good and beautiful and, and all like, women she had internalized all women, regardless of and what she, job you are in, will be told you must look this way. There is a standard. Here it is across magazines. We're going to advertise products to you that are going to make you look more like that standard. That it's going to it's going to make your hair shinier and skin never get a wrinkle. And you know, all women are going to be told that. But you're supposed to continue, Shannon. I just wanted to throw that out there. That like that is that is exactly. a pressure that comes and it's into so our easy world. To yeah, and it is so easy to internalize. And then you live with the discrepancy between the like the version of yourself that is on screen or on stage or what have you and like what it and what you think it should look like because of what the world has told you. And what is ultimately true is that the second you let that go, you can be interesting and full and real and being ugly on stage is the bravest and most wonderful thing that you can possibly do because that's when people will actually empathize and understand what you were trying to get across. But like fuck if that's not hard and so and the, and the teacher like looked at her and she like at the end of the session and she's just like so sensitive and like in tears and the teacher finally looked at her and was just like you know what it sucks and it's because you're young like yeah. she's like i i'm almost 40 and it wasn't until i rounded 30 that i really started to not care at all what people think or what they think about what I look like. I am interested in my work and what I am proud of and the things that I have done and the work that I do. And, um, and it, but it wasn't until I, you know, rounded the like far side of 30 that I really started feeling that way. And at the time I was 28, uh, 27. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I do feel so much more that way now than I did when I was 22. Like, fuck, when I was 22, I was like, I am not thin enough. I am not tall enough. I am not this enough. I'm going to straighten this. I'm going to da, da, da. like, I was like obsessed with like matching the version of the world of the best quote unquote version of myself that was closest to the version the world had told me I needed to be. And I'm like, mm, do I have to wear makeup for this? <laughs> yeah I mean I also give a lot of credit to if you're talking about you said that Akai you're a teacher who's got a lot of young women right mm -hmm. so we had a male teacher of a lot of young women the one who first taught us at least who first taught me camera technique was um, Tim Krause and I bless him every day because he taught me how to watch myself on camera he would first first he'd go through a scene with me like find the event find your your need or your tactic or whatever pick your Strasbourg exercises you're going to use we're going to record it and we'd sit there and he'd watch back with us and at first I remember the first few classes he'd ask people like hey what are you seeing what are you noticing and most people's comments are like oh my god I hate my nose oh my god my voice sounds weird I didn't know I did that weird thing and he was like great cool um did you achieve your objective mm. did you did you achieve at least portraying trying to achieve your objective did you the, is the event of the scene between the characters is what's happening between the characters or the, the breakup or the the reunion or the, whatever it is like is that clear in the scene I didn't ask you that. I asked you like, what of your craft are you seeing? Are you succeeding at portraying the thing of your craft that you were trying to portray? That exercise an animal that you wanted to do that thing to change your posture. Is it there or is it not there? He like taught us how to watch back for our craft as opposed to for all of the shiny, bright, happy Hollywood 
thin like woman things that we've been taught just as women looking in a mirror from the time you're a teenager to look forward you know like the extra pound you had or hadn't gained during finals week he didn't teach you to watch for that he taught you to watch for the craft and I it really changed my perception I used to think there are certain actors professional you hear like oh so and so so modest they won't watch themselves they won't watch the movies they're in and in hindsight I hate that I'm like no they're not being modest they're being hyper self-aware and also selfish because then they're making it all about you oh if I can't watch that entire movie that how many gaffers worked on that how many producers paid money towards that how many post-production people sat and worked in that you know that how many people's hands have worked on that how many people wrote and directed and all of this other energy that's not even about you and even your co-stars and you know all of these other people who are working on it and pouring their craft in and special effects artists if you can't sit and watch that movie and appreciate their work and it is so much about you that's not being modest and therefore like, oh, I'm too modest to look at myself. No, that's being too self-absorbed. And perhaps, unfortunately, maybe a little bit too damaged by society and what they have told you that you have to be to then be able to sit. It's either that you're lacking confidence because of that or because you are just too self-absorbed to be able to watch all kinds of other people's work and, and watch your craft and see like, did I succeed in this film? If I'm going to work with this director in the future, like, 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 did I do the thing that we set out to do? You know? Um, so I, I, I say a prayer and a blessing to Tim Grass every day um, in my head for giving me that gift, for being able to look at my footage strictly from a craft based and for being able to look at what everybody else is doing. It's not just about me. It's about that brilliant lighting that was constructed, that was dreamed up or thought up. It's also about that amazing line that somebody wrote. It's also about, your scene partner, it's also about the props person who brought, it's about so many more people and things than you. Um, and I think as actors, I wish we were taught that more as well. I really wish that we were taught like, yes, I mean, the stage is more your medium than the screen is um, in a sense by which I mean an actor's medium. However, in both, it's not just about you. It really truly yeah, is and, and you are one cog. And, and I, I just, I, I really like finding people who are gracious about it, who know that you know, who are fascinated by other people's jobs, who respect other people's jobs. You are there to fulfill a vision, you know, um, to honor a director's vision. You're all there to do that. And you are one piece of it. It's not about you. Um, it's not about your journey. I think that there's this like toxic actor, toxic masculinity thing where it's like, okay, never break character and be shit to the extras and don't watch yourself on screen because you're too modest and, and don't do the fight choreography properly. I heard this about a movie. It was like somebody was wouldn't learn the fight choreography because he was like, my character is too spontaneous to do anything that you've set out and just beat up the stunt people and got praised for being super in character as this villain he was portraying. And I was like, no, a stunt person's body is their living. And yes, they're putting it on the line for their living, but they've got four more jobs booked. And if you break their leg because you're being so in character and so spontaneous and so ungracious, you selfish asshole, it's not all about you, then you are ruining their future health and their future living. You know, it's just, I think the more you learn that it's not about you, the less you care what you look, what you look like. And I think it's mm -hmm. very hard for young 20 something women who are being told that you've got to preen yourself a certain way to learn that it's not all about you. It's about your craft, what you bring to the table, other people's craft and fulfilling a vision. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. I'm, I'm curious because I, the, the, the the place where I do martial arts, I talked about this in other like things. Um, I get to deal with like not just younger kids, but I get to watch 
the interaction between like kids and parents a little bit more. Um, yeah. Like being a dance teacher, I like most dance teachers are insulated from that like interaction. There's a lot of like the parents drop off the kid, the kid comes in, does the thing. And at the end, the, the kid like goes off. Like we don't really deal with the parents as much. Um, that's not universal, but generally speaking. Um, but the, the place where I do martial arts, it's much more like family oriented mm. at this particular place. So like, we don't just live in the, the place where we do the actual classes. Um, we come out into the front, we answer questions, like we're much more like universally involved in the entire process. Um, and one of the things that I've sort of been trying to wrap my head around is this concept, and because of other things that I've seen, but um, is like how early we start to do that damage, particularly to women. Um, you know, how, how early does that voice start? Because I notice, especially because the kids have to be in uniform. So there's a certain amount of like, you need to like change clothes or wear clothes that's not like specifically fitted to your body. Like the, the, the sizes are much more like generalized. Um, and oftentimes we give the kids like slightly bigger sizes knowing that they're gonna grow. Right. So instead of giving the one, giving them the one that fit and you come back in like six to eight months, like oh, it's too small. We need to get a new one. You have to spend more money. We're like, let's give it to them like a little bit bigger so you can get more life out of it, you know, and it'll last a little bit longer before you then have to come back and exchange it. Um, so I've noticed that like the girls who come out of class versus the boys who come out of class and have like clothes issues the reaction to that is so viscerally different and it's from their own parents we don't care you know what i mean like as long as you're not doing anything that's like wholly like inappropriate like if you're comfortable we're comfortable right because our focus is like we have this information that we need to give to you so that you can move up through our ranking system so you know if you're not like ripping your clothes off randomly or like you know walking around with your pants around your ankles like it's you know for us it's it's, it's a matter of like just keep it together like we don't care you know what i mean like Clothes are clothes, you're eight, nine years old. Like, I'm not expecting you to be like put together in that same way. You're a kid. I'm going to let you be a kid. But I do notice that, like, back when the parents would watch, this doesn't happen as much anymore because COVID, yeah, yeah. Um, but like, the girls would come out and the parents would have this, like, 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 why'd you let your clothes like do that? And, you know, you know you were so like messy, I've told you a thousand times, right? There's a much more, like there's a voice that they use with them that's much more admonishment, like in that direction. Whereas when the boys come mm -hmm. out and like, it's like half off and hanging and the, you know, it's the shirts like ruffled in a weird way. It's like, a, you know, like, oh, you're such a boy. Like, what am I going to do with you? Like, there's this sort of like playful, like, you know, like, uh, like boys will be boys almost kind of, of attitude and having watched it for now the how the uh, again i won't say how long but the years that i've been working there um it it really started to hit me that like it's not like i know we do damage to teenagers like that's something that is very easy to put your finger on right like like that's a very obvious thing and specifically to to, to young to young women you know when they hit that teenage yeah. like chunk that we as a society just, we, we say we care, but our actions don't line up necessarily, right? But when I look at those interactions comparatively, it, it really made me think like, oh, it's not just 
that they hit 13 and all of a sudden society becomes this like weird, we're gonna screw up your psyche free for all. But like we start like really early, you know, before they've had a sense to really understand what it yeah. means to be a person, let alone a female, we're already imposing these things in a way that makes them feel less than. Um, is, is that an experience that you can speak to? Yeah, I think a part of that is, yeah, I think that that definitely is true. The idea of the like boys being messy and girls not being messy is like <laughs> inherently untrue. I've lived with a man and I have lived with a woman and uh, girls are just as messy as boys. Uh, we are dirty fucks, uh, <laughs> the lot of us. And doesn't matter your gender, you're gross. I'm sorry. Um, open her purse, and- open her purse. <laughs> Run your hand along the bottom of her purse. What comes back is not going to delight you, gentlemen. It exactly. will not. Exactly. It's just like, there's, there's such a like, the necessity of women to present neatly um and and be rewarded often for and it's it's a protective thing i think from especially mothers yes because the the reality is that women are rewarded for that Mm. like for being put together for being prim for being pretty for being put together is something that women are genuinely rewarded for in society and women are uh, punished for not conforming to that and it's also um, been conditioned great- into your mother so she might not even know that she's doing it to you because it was done to her and it was conditioned into her mother who didn't know and conditioned into her mother who didn't know sorry continue shannon yeah and and uh, actually i've been thinking a lot about Billie eilish this week mm. um because i don't know if you guys have seen her vogue um yes. cover yes um, but that was just released and um in it for those who don't know or haven't been following um she um is in lingerie and has dyed her hair blonde and is like in a very traditional kind of like va va um style pinup style um lingerie setup she's 19 yeah <laughs> she is and um the and she's getting a lot of flack for quote-unquote selling out Oh yeah, because she's she's been a lot of time talking about her clothes and like not wanting to show her body. Exactly. She's like, I'm not gonna show my body, I'm not gonna do it. Like it's not what it's about, it's about the music. And like, yeah, she was also, you know, 16. She was a minor. But like look at the history. We sexualized female minors. Look at uh, look at what happened to Emma Watson when she started turning like 13, 14 in those movies. All of a sudden, like her hair became straight and shiny, and then photo shoots, she was like in red lipstick. We like sexualize those minors early who are in the spotlight. And so she opted out of that very wisely. Exactly. And then she's now, because she has opted out of it publicly, people are like, okay, fine. Like, do you, I guess I'll accept you because I guess you're talented anyway. You know, all the Grammys, whatever. <laughs> and like, um, and so, and now she is, you know, 19 and wants to feel hot. And like, yeah. like, like Cause that's just an enjoyable thing to like be, to put on fancy lingerie and like have a fun fucking photo shoot and the cover of Vogue, like how fun is that? And like, what a choice to make and be able to make. And like the privilege that she has to make it is wonderful. But like the fact that now it's like, oh, she did it because she was selling out. No, she did it cause she wanted to feel fucking pretty. Like let her live. And asshole. also like, 
when you are a teenager and adult, all this is that she's an adult now. And she's like, great. I'm embracing this. And also she's embracing it on her own terms, which I think is so bold. She was like, yeah. I'm going to show this on my own terms. I've decided that I want to feel this way, look this way, be this way. It's my time. I feel ready, you know, and I'm not going to let you do it to me or make it, you know, like, I'm not going to let you make a choice about when I can or can't be sexual for you. I, I, this is now where I'm at. This is what I feel, you know? And I, I think that that's a thing that I've been wondering a lot about is um, I, I think like for the sake of like, we talk about the female gaze in film. And I think that there was, there was like, um, because of the way that women have been hypersexualized by the male gaze, I think that the, the first instinct with like when we're defining the female gaze was to be like, oh great, like lots of clothes on and or baggy clothes or like sex scenes are only on the face. And I, I've been really wondering like, how do we reclaim our sexuality women, you know, in the female gaze on screen or, or you know, even in the female gaze in the sense of like on stage, like how do we claim and own that part of ourselves because to cut it off and pretend that it doesn't exist is not true mm. but to like let it be commodified or used against us or held against us is not enjoyable either it's like how do we own that and how do we express that um but I, I, I mean, definitely I think one of the shows that does it the best I've ever seen actually is Insecure mm. yeah yeah um Insecure is a very sexy show but it is not a sexy show in a way that compromises anyone who is in it like yeah. none of the characters none of the women um feel like they are being um like that it's 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 not salacious it's not they're, they're not sitting here being like oh it's because she's hot mm. um like that's not why we're showing this we're showing it because like sex is a valid it is like a, a really important part of these characters relationships and also like our relationships with the characters yeah. sex is important and like that's why it's in the show it's not there because we're like cool i just want to like you know peek at her tits one more time um so we're gonna like do one more pan it's really about the like telling the story great I, this is mm -hmm. and i think the but at the same time um it it is it does still include that sexuality it is still there um it doesn't seek to eliminate its necessity in order to like conserve the the modesty of um or the like the the false modesty to be honest because these characters are more sexual than that like yeah that it otherwise would so be it, it's like I feel like you're asked like sometimes when you're asked like are you a feminist or are you like living in the male gaze you're asked to like cut off your sexuality and I'm like no that's that's a part of you too and owning that is owning power you know but how do you do that in a way that's on your own terms so I think that you're right that Billie Eilish did it on her own terms I mean to take it back to the original question a little bit which was like how early do we start doing that to young women mm. we start we start really early, whether it's just about your appearance or whether it's about your sexuality, it gets earlier and earlier with the advent of the internet and with apps, mm. it is earlier and earlier. Um, and there has been a fight to like keep, um, to keep diet culture advertisements mm -hmm, and mm -hmm, to keep, mm -hmm. you know, plastic surgery advertisements away from, you know, uh, kids under 16 was like a fight that had to be fought and legislated because otherwise kids who are under 16 can buy all of these things. I mean, it's the same as like you get on the subway, no matter what age you are. I remember like early in college, like getting on the subway um, and seeing like 
the advertisements of the subway are ridiculous guys. Um, the ones for women, especially like plastic surgery by Dr. So-and-so. And there's like a frowny face of a woman who's like, I don't know, face is not as good as it should be, I guess. And then there's like a happy face of a woman whose face is as good as it should be like, call this number for happy plastic surgery, you know? Or like I saw one for boob plastic surgery and there's a woman holding like little clementines in front of herself like, Shannon knows it, she's doing it. She's, I know she's exactly like, what she's like you're frowning. talking she's about. Like, oh. And then there's like a woman holding like cantaloupes who's like, hey, and it's like, call this number to get those melons, you know? And it's like, kids are seeing that. Children are seeing that. It's all around us in the advertising for the things that we consume, you know? And I remember when the Thinks underwear wanted to put ads in the subway, which are period underwear to like, you know, make your period better and make you not have to pay the pink tax and spend a million dollars when you're getting tampons every month because they get taxed because apparently they're a luxury fucking item. I'm not mad about it at all, as you can hear in my voice. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but like when those were going on the subway, people were like upset about it. And they, at first there was backlash and they were like, you know, how we, we shouldn't have to see these products on the subway or, or these ads, look at these ads of these women wearing these underwear lounging around people with imperfect bodies because things advertise with all kinds of bodies. People were like offended by them. They're like, I don't know. These are women's issues. We shouldn't have to deal with them. And I'm like, but the plastic surgery one's fine. Is that not a woman's issue too? Like, the, so like, you'll allow that kind of an ad, but you won't allow an ad that will like be about making our lives more affordable and making our like healthcare you know, and the lack of getting toxic shock syndrome by using those things like better, but like, no, 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 the plastic surgery ad is okay. And think about it. Kids are three or four on the subway. You know, they, you know, how old are you when you learn to read? Are you practicing that when you're a kid in New York on the subway? Like, like that's, that's what you're reading, you know? Mm -hmm. And thankfully things did like win their argument and did get onto the subway, but like it is all around you and it might take you a while to recognize it, you know? Um, but it is, all around you from all ages, even like the way male magazines are versus female magazines when you're a teenager and maybe start going reading magazines. Women's magazines are full of products to make you better, thinner, to make your hair frame your face nicer, to match your skin tone with the right concealer. Men don't have to worry about buying concealer. They don't, you know, their ads are like, here's exercises that are fun at the gym or like, look how nice this watch makes you look and masculine because you're amazing. So it's, it's a different way that we talk to them. And I think that the idea of like, and I think there's meat. definitely toxicity. There's also definitely toxicity in that too. The yeah. idea that like the prioritization yes. of the most important thing you can be as a woman is beautiful. Mm. Yes. Um, is what society tells us. Mm -hmm. And therefore, um, at, as a, at a young age, even young girls are like, prioritized, selected, rewarded for being cute, mm. for being sweet, for being put like adorable and all of these things. Um, and the, and young boys are rewarded for being brave, for mm -hmm. being um, like ad ad aggressive sometimes um, for being- Which is not great. Mm -hmm, yeah. And for being um, rambunctious or that kind of like oh boys will be boys thing like it's cute when they they will do that it's kind of like um I love my dog but he's fucking obnoxious sometimes because he like <laughs> will like bite at me um he like he like mouths um at arms and legs or what have you uh, especially when he hasn't been walked that day uh and long enough and um but he will um that's something that like it's cute when it starts because it's like he's little he's a puppy he's like oh but then he like grows up and it 
starts to be more and more of a problem. It starts to be more things that are suddenly like, oh, like you have real teeth. <laughs> like, oh, like the, like you jumping up, like a, a boxer puppy jumping up on you is freaking adorable. A boxer is a 90 pound dog. And like that can knock you over, that can hurt somebody. And so suddenly this like the relationship between the like, oh, it's cute when this aggressiveness is, is accepted and like- Play. At a, this that kind of play um becomes uh like wandering into the realm of toxic masculinity the like now you are being punished for what you were told as a young boy was a good thing to do so as a young boy you like learn to be the aggressive person um in the room because it rewarded you if you you got to the front of the line you were the first one to eat lunch mm -hmm. like everybody laughed at you you were the loudest kid you got the the laughs from your classmates um you learned all of those things. And then as an adult, it's like, no, no, that's angry. No, no, that's dangerous. No, no, that's bad. Don't do that. Don't feel that. Don't have that. Um, don't experience those things. Which is and toxic to kind of like Absolutely. Down of that. And women have the opposite of that, which is the like, great. So be pretty, be prim, be proper, take up as little space as possible, be sweet, stop, shush, shush, shush. Um, and then as we go get older um that like continues and it's this like oh well then you didn't say anything like you you like I asked and you didn't say no so and like suddenly well, like now you're a victim because you're like be doing the thing you were taught to do just, just like step up and do so which is shut up and look pleasing mm -hmm. yeah. yeah I mean the other thing Eliza Schlesinger does a really good bit in comedy about this I can't remember which show where she like pretends to yell at a fake audience member in a scenario she's concocted who's a man and she's like well you're a fucking ugly bastard and who's like heckling her in this like fake comedy scenario and like everybody like cheers her on it's like yeah you got him and she's like okay but what if that was a woman and like then goes like you fucking ugly bitch and everybody in the room just like gasps and she's like aha because her worth is predicated on whether she's pretty or not and then like does about come to a couple of jokes and she's like you're still not laughing because of that imaginary woman whose looks i insulted you didn't care that i insulted that imaginary man's looks you know and so it is absolutely prevalent um and i i think that i can tell you i can think like specifically about the first times i became aware like as a as a young woman and i know that for me it was probably a little bit later than some other girls but like there's like two things i'm thinking about of like like that how i looked was important you know um, or like how I behaved or how neat I was, was important. And I remember like when I was getting bat mitzvahed, I had like this like little blazer skirt outfit that was like pink and stuff. And I was like 13 and nice. like with blazer skirt, bat mitzvah, and then you're gonna change at night, the pretty dress blue. And I remember like being in rehearsal for my bat mitzvah and my mother coming up and be like, you gotta close your legs and like make sure that they're like tight like that. And like, don't drop your mouth. Like when you're just sitting on the bima while Daniel's going and you're like waiting, like just make sure you're sitting in a way that is like not flashing everybody, but also just like close your mouth and like, you know, just like be presentable, like do the good thing, you know? And I didn't think of it as toxic until very recently when I was like picking out headshots and I was going through them with a friend of ours. I was going through them with Nora. I was like, I love that one. I was like, oh, I can't use it. And she was like, why? I was like, well, like my mouth is open, you know? I was like, you gotta close your legs and close your mouth. And I was like, oh, fuck, you know? <laughs> like, oh, like as an adult that had come with me, you know? Um, and it means a whole different thing as an adult, but like it, it does, it's that idea of like, hey, so there are girls like, you know, in society, even once you get older and you become a teenager and things are really about not just looking neat and cute, but are also about sexuality. It's like, you're taught like, close your legs, close your mouth real early, you know? Because like, 
we're taught to protect ourselves too. So it's like, close your legs, close your mouth so you look pretty. And so that you're like prim and proper, but also like close your legs, close your mouth because there are guys out there who, if you don't, it's your fault because you've attracted them, you know? So if you're like quieter about it and if you like close that off from everybody else, then like you won't get into trouble, hopefully maybe, and you can kind of protect yourself, you know? So there's like that about it as well, which is like, you gotta protect yourself. It's on you, it's your fault. If you attract the attention of blah, 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 you know, because boys will be boys. So like, you got to do your best to close your legs, close your mouth, don't attract that attention, you know, um, and look pretty while you do it. So that later you attract that attention in a way that's okay, you know, but like, there's that. And then I remember, I think when I was a teenager around 16, I stopped swimming. Um, I was a competitive swimmer year round, like, like state level meets ranked, like doing that thing. And when I quit, I had to figure out like a new way to work out and like also like maintain like a healthy weight. And so there was definitely when I finally gave up swimming, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm burnt out. Um, there was definitely like, I put on like five pounds and I'm a small girl I'm five one, you know, because I hadn't figured out I couldn't eat the same way as when I was yeah. like seven days a week, maybe multiple times a day practicing. And I remember like sitting and watching TV with my dad and not in any kind of unloving way, like with the best of intentions, he was like, Hey Hannah, all the girls on TV, you want to, you want to act right. Like that's the thing you want to now like dedicate yourself to. And that's part of the reason we quit is because we're going to audition for colleges and, you know, all the look at, look at the way they look, mm. you know, just like heads up. That's the way they look. If you want to do that, that's what you have to, you're putting on some weight, you know? And it was trying to be in like the kindest of like, I want to help you achieve your dream, but like heads up, like look at what the world is, you know? And yet all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, I'm fat. I had to put on five pounds. It was not fat, you know? Um, but like, it sits more on your frame when you're a short girl. And I, I remember being so self-conscious and so devastated about it, even though it was coming from a place of like, I want to help you achieve your thing. So you need to know that's the way the way the world works, you know? But I just remember thinking, oh my God, I'm fat. That's it. <gasps> you know? Um, and I, I remember for a long time that hitting and thinking like, what is an okay or an appropriate weight? And there was definitely a whole year where I did not have breakfast because I was like, I've got to be, and I would do it under the auspices of like, oh, I'm too busy. Like I'm doing this studying thing and I'm going here early so I can practice this early and I'm going to do this thing. Um, but there was like a whole year where I just cut it out because I was like, I don't know how else to like rectify this balance. And I have to rectify the balance because my dream hangs in the balance, you know, because if I want to be an actor, then I have got to be skinnier mm -hmm. than I am, you know? Um, and in hindsight, I'm like, that didn't help. Like, like, I, I threw away, I don't have scales. I threw away the scales because I was like, all right, this is deeply unhealthy. It's gotta be about how I feel, you know, not about how I look so much or what like the number on the scale says, because once you put a goal in your mind like that, when you're like, great, cool, I can't have this. I have to be this. It becomes very destructive. There becomes like a spiral there. Um, and so I never really, like, I, I don't have like an eating disorder problem, but I'd say like I dabbled with, you know, not eating a certain meal to achieve that goal. And then it was like, okay, this is very unhealthy and became enlightened and feminist. It was like, whoa, whoa. Also, we just can't sustain ourselves. Then once we go to college and start doing like dance training and fight combat training and this and that, you can't sustain yourself to lunch if you have not had food. Like you just won't, you will pass out in <laughs> class. Don't do that. Um, don't do that even if you're not doing those things, you know? Um, it's just, it shouldn't be about what the number is. That's the way the world is built though. So even someone lovingly trying to like tell you that's the way the world is built, you know, like maybe find healthy exercise can be interpreted in the worst of ways, you know? Yeah, I, there was a moment um, when I was at, training for my first marathon. I was training for my first marathon and I was um, on this paleo diet, which is no carb. And so I was running, you know, five to 
eight, 10 miles a day and uh, not eating carbs. I was eating a ton of meat and vegetables, just like I was eating so much fucking food, you guys. It was great. I love it. Um, I love food. Anyway, um, the, but like I, I still wasn't eating carbs. So my like calorie in calorie out was crazy. Um, and, uh, and so I dropped a lot of weight and it was, I think some, like the thinnest I've ever been was like right after I started training. And there was one day I was like in a yoga class, um, or like right before a yoga class started. And I like looked in the mirror and I was like, Oh my God, I'm gone. Mm. I don't, I, I don't exist anymore. I don't take up space. And, and I'd spent my entire life being like, begging my body to take up less space basically um and just being like how can I make it do this how can I make it do this and I and to look up and be like oh I I don't feel like I exist and I I'd like literally that minute stop being paleo I was like cool we're getting a bagel <laughs> I was like I need to I need to take up room I need to be a person because I just felt like I I had disappeared and um and that was a very strange moment um for me to to have kind of like reversed that and like come to that moment of, of realization and i'm grateful that i did because if i hadn't looked in the mirror and and realized that i was disappearing i could have just disappeared um is what it feels I mean, like they tell you size zero is something to achieve you know that's, that's a size of size clothing zero. that they give women where they're like there's also double zero mm -hmm. be double nothing women be double nothing <laughs> take up no space when we look at you we don't even want to see like you know when you see the side of glass and it's a pain you'll be so pretty if you're like less than that double zero what the fuck is that that's not a size that's nothing that's, that's... double nothing that's negative size Ooh. that's a, that's something to aspire to that is a size that they have of clothing uh... yep and, and just the like, and, but it was after that and like after training for my first marathon where I realized that like my body was capable of running 18 miles after I'd fed it Chinese food, mm. like shitty bad Chinese food. And I like was in the shower one day after a long run and I just looked down and I was like, yeah, thank you. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I think that if women were taught to appreciate their bodies for what they can do. And I, I can tell you how I learned this lesson and how it's, it's really changed the way I view my body. It's like the idea of, I wanna be able to do stuff. It, it, was, it happened in like two stages. I used to be so upset that my arms have always been like a little bit bigger as a girl. Cause you'd see on TV, like the like Misha Barton, like very thin, I'm a victim of a genocide, can't lift up like a tissue paper arm. And you're told that that's like pretty and desirable and wanted and all the boys fall in love with her. And you watch Gossip Girl and everybody also doesn't have like any arms at all. And they're like a stick from the side. And I remember like being very self-conscious as a woman who grew up in sports, who was a pitcher, who was a swimmer, not even about like having fat arm, but just about having muscles. I was like, oh no, I am not good. It looks bad in pictures. My friends look smaller, which is ridiculous because I'm minuscule, but like with muscular arms, you know, um, I am Tinkerbell, but with muscles, you know, but like, I, I remember being very self-conscious being like, oh, I, it's fat. It's not good. And I remember kind of spiraling out about it, maybe even in my early twenties, that demographic where like I'd done a short where I was doing a period piece because like British accent, British mother can do it. 
tiny ringlets, like, yes, it'll work. And I had been wearing like an empire waist size, you know, like, like dress and with those big puffy sleeves. And I had to tell you those big puffy sleeves, when you've got muscular arms, do not make your arms look quote unquote conventionally attractive. They do not make them look like Misha Barton. I can't lift the tissue arms. And I was looking at the girl who was like opposite me in that, who looked like a bird, you know, who had like the tiniest, like the, like the most defined ever, you know, like collarbone and like the tiniest, I was like, oh my God. I look terrible in it. I look awful. I also have like boobs. Like the empire waist is just going to make you, when that comes down to the boobs, you're just going to look like you continue forever and you're stocky and short. And I was spinning out about it. I'd like seen a still from it. And I was like, or seen like a picture we'd taken and was losing my damn mind and like called my mother and was like, oh my God. And was just in this negative spiral about it. And was like, it's not good. It's not good. And she was, she was like, Hannah, <laughs> just like, but you can lift a broadsword. <laughs> You know, I love swords. That that was the thing. She's like, you can lift a broadsword. Like a real broad, like not just even like the aluminum ones. You were telling me the other day in class, you could do the steel ones and the shield. You can do that. And the other girls in class have to put it down and you can do that. And by the way, isn't your craft the craft of the soul anyway? And I was like, oh, and you know, and then she for like months sent me Dove commercials where like there's this Dove commercial for months afterwards, good parenting here, good parenting guys, sent me like all of the Dove commercials in this campaign where like women were talking about, there, there was one where they like all drew pictures of themselves, like young women and like things that they didn't like and like parts of their body and like pegged them up places. And then like later had to go back and write what that part of their body could do, you know, for them how it like functioned, you know, and like what it gave them in life. And that too was like a, a kind of a revelation. And it's like, oh, like your body can do a skill or a thing it can achieve for you. It can carry you through this world but, and, and make you do the athletic things you don't want to do because it looks different. So that was like part one of that. And then part two is I got very sick recently when like my immune system tanked and I lost control over my body in a big way. I lost, I mean, I lost crazy weight in a bad way. And I like, I couldn't like eat well because my autoimmune system wasn't like functioning and it was, it was not good. And I couldn't function. It wasn't just the weight though. There were, there were all kinds of other symptoms and things happening. I won't dive too deep into it. Um, but I, I just was having a million problems. Like even my skin was turning against me and was just like bleeding. It was, it was not good people. And I, remember like trying to take walks when that was happening and being like too dizzy to get to places and like not being able to function. And I remember like there was a while where doctors were like only touch cotton, cotton, you're allergic to something. We don't know what it is. Like go be in your parents' house. Don't be in the city in other places, like in the most environmentally friendly place, only touch cotton, only eat certain things till we figure out what it is. It's making you so sick. Just like, like get simple. And I remember like sitting like in this room of cotton, like puking my gut and just being like too dizzy to do things like what's wrong with me you know and then having come back from that where you can't do things and when you're just in chronic pain I was in so much pain I couldn't sleep so much of the time you know and all of a sudden feeling very betrayed by my body and being like how dare you you've always been able to do things you can't I can't even do things anymore. Like you're just randomly bleeding. You're just randomly this. I'm in pain all the time how dare you you know and coming back from that and finding my way back from that my body can do things. I'm like, I don't care what fucking size you are. Yay. You know, like, like I can do shit. I can go places. I can walk places. I'm not in pain all the time. I can sleep because I am not in constant chronic pain all of the time. You know, it's an amazing body. You'd be whatever fucking size you want to be. I mean, even like, it took me a long time to get back to doing any kind of the sports or the things that I do love and the physical movement that I do enjoy. There was a, a period where I wasn't doing it because I couldn't do it. 
because um, I wasn't physically capable. But uh, getting to do that, so it's about health. It's not about, for me now, that's like, I'm obsessed. It's about health, you know, like everything you put in to your body is not about like achieving a look. It's about sustaining it functioning. Because for me, in my condition, that makes a big difference. You know, it's like sustaining my body's function is critical. All of the exercise and, or movement that I've chosen to do are things that I can now do and are about achieving again and keeping health. And I think I wish that we taught women from like a young age that it's not about fitting that double size zero or looking the way that you want to look in that dress. It's about like your body being able to do things because that has been such a revelation. I think, and I think in general, like to, to bring it to the, the wider world, like the, the idea that like form over function is what women are taught. They are taught that like, you must look this way and like do this. Even you must be in heels, even though you can't walk, you must be in this dress, even though you can't sit, you must like, you know, it's all about form over function. And if women were treated like what they did mattered more than how they looked, then maybe the world would be a better place. <laughs> um, and, and yeah. I think that, um, and that can like, I think there's, there are ways that we, as people who move through the world can contribute to th that more idealized version, which is like, instead of saying that dress looks great on you say, that's a great dress mm. because it's not about mm -hmm. the fit. It's about the style. The thing you like about it is that it's got that cool fucking striped on the side. It's not necessarily that it like is slimming. Mm. If, you, if yeah. what you like about it is that it's slimming, keep that shit to yourself. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. especially if you're not like a very close confident up confidant of that woman, um, and like, especially if you're in a workplace with that woman, um, what have you. Mm -hmm. If it's like if she's got cool shoes on, she's got cool shoes on. If she's like, if her hair looks great, like I like how you're wearing your hair. Mm. Like, it is not about like your like your body pleasing me ever <laughs> um, for a woman mm -hmm. because it's it's about like, oh, I, I appreciate the way you chose to present today because you are an individual who has a cool sense of style. Mm. Um, and like, I appreciate that you are funny, not that you are pretty. I appreciate that you are smart, mm -hmm. not that, not your smile. I appreciate your, um, like things like that, things that are about who she is and not what or what she mm -hmm. does and not about how she looks just like perpetually the more we can prioritize that especially for young girls the more that we can teach women that who they are matters more than and what they do matters more than how they look who you are what you think what you mm -hmm. say what you do those are the things right um representation matters in that by the way to bring it mm -hmm. back to acting a little bit like representation and seeing that I remember this is a weird one watching Wonder Woman for me the first one like I just I wept firstly because like Jewish woman being allowed to be sexy on screen we're not usually allowed to do that we're allowed to be funny we're allowed to be the butt of the joke or we're allowed to sing good because like we do that it's too bad like, we do that <laughs> but we're not allowed <laughs> Barbara Streisand we do that we own that um but like you're not allowed usually to be like a superhero or to be sexy and she was kind of both things and I was like whoa I mean, Gal Gadot in a big way things 
<laughs> I know. And it was, it was, and, and like, she was allowed to be like the hero and center of the story and not like the funny best friend, but also even just from a physical standpoint, when you saw all the Amazons, not even just her, all of the Amazons and they're like powerful ass arms and powerful ass muscles and their athleticism. I just like, I started thinking about the little girls who are going to see that as opposed to like, you know, the 90210, you know, gossip girl arms. And I was like, oh my God, little girls are being told with this movie that they can be powerful, strong and athletic and warriors and their muscles are amazing. You know, they're idealized in a beautiful way. And the way that 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 film is shot is when they're fighting and doing powerful things, you got all the cool slow motion going on. It's made to look cool and wonderful and glamorous and not like too masculine or or bad or in any kind of a way. And like watching them in their big ass awesome arms with their swords, I just, as a girl who loves swords, who's got big arms, whether or not they're toned, I just like, lost my shit I was like oh my god that's so amazing and so important and I think that it's important across Wonder, the board for all kinds and then of Wonder Woman 2 went back on that and like oh no and I know made I Kristen know Wiig, so like irrelevant <laughs> until she put on a tight dress uh, I know I know I, I didn't make it to the end of that movie I mean like I, I didn't I'm so sorry I really love the director and what she did in the first film. I really do. Um, and I like can't praise it highly enough. Or like that scene when she's walking across no man's land and the bullets are coming from her and it's no man's land and she's a woman charging across it. It's like symbolic. Ugh, love it. Um, so like we praise you highly, but I didn't make it to the end of your second movie. And it's not because I don't love you or I don't love Kristen Wiig. I'm sure you're wonderful. Um, we all work in this industry. I'm sure you're wonderful. <laughs> but uh, you are... Um, but the first one was more feminist. Sorry, it was. Um, but I think that that representation, that carries across the board for all kinds of people in all kinds of ways. Like the relief that I felt at that, you know, at her also just being like the warrior head of the story and not like the damsel to be rescued, you know? And how many mar- how many movies, like DC and Marvel, how many superhero movies did it take us to get there? Holy fuck, we had Ant-Man before we had Marvel. <laughs> anyway, um, but- Ant-Man like, 2 before and, and we had Wonder Woman. I think uh, don't hurt me but yeah we definitely have um, ant-man like, three it, before we have black widow so there's that uh, <laughs> stop it you're hurting me yeah. it's true it's true um yeah, that's dc I not marvel that that carries... so marvel still hasn't gotten their shit together just saying i know that's true marvel. i'm comparing apples to oranges i'm sorry but it's all one genre you know what i no, mean yeah you're not um, comparing apples to oranges <laughs> okay good um but I, I also think that to me that's helped me kind of understand um what other people talk about representation like racially I'm like yeah the relief that I felt at that I've got to imagine you absolutely felt seeing Black Panther like of course that makes sense you know like it's helped me understand on an empathetic empathize on a certain level with like if it's just important for just that one thing alone it's important for you know if if it's just important as women to see a superhero or if it's just important to see athletic women or if it's just important to see whatever think about all the other people who are feeling unseen for all of the other reasons and how important it is to see that and how big of a difference and how much of a validation it makes to you. Um, I think another one was Rihanna launched a clothes line a while back, like a couple of years back. And like, instead of just having skinny male models had plus size male models and didn't edit out any of their stretch marks or anything. And like the amount of body love that those like plus size male models getting, like there were, there were men who are counting like, that's my body. And I've never seen my body in an ad before and I'm gonna buy 12 pairs of this because I know that it'll, it'll look this way on me. And also like, I didn't know women liked this. I didn't know this was an okay way to be, you know, um, even for men to say that too, you know, I, I just think like that kind of, you know, and I think she used models of all kinds of races and backgrounds too. I just think all of that is so important to 
to be seen for everyone is so important um, and not just the most idealized version or the most societally acceptable version of a thing that you could be like you right. to be seen. I mean, to springboard off of that, because I've been. Hey, podcasters, thank you so much for listening this far. Thank you for supporting the movement and all that we are about. I hope that you are gaining something from the conversations that we have posted thus far. The conversation that I had with Shannon and Hannah did run three hours, and later on this month I will release the full conversation without any edits. But for this first go-around, I'm actually going to release it in two parts. So this was part one, and I'll be releasing part two in a few days. So keep an eye out for that. Um, Thank you so much again for supporting. Spread the word, and take care of yourselves. See you soon.